Dark waters lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried, yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And then the Red Sea parted, for now there was a way to enter in rejoice. Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come visit us at nationalprayerchapel.com. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Breaking the stalemate with God. Breaking the stalemate with God. Oh Lord, would you come with mighty power tonight? And would you open our eyes that we could see? Lord, would you open our hearts so we could feel your presence? Lord, would you open our minds that we would understand this stalemate must be broken? Would you do it tonight, Jesus? I pray in your holy name. Amen. A stalemate occurs when two parties both have opposing wishes and one is unwilling to give in to the other. The result is a stalemate. In this house, we have a stalemate with Jesus. And it's time for the stalemate to be broken. I'd like to talk with you about a stalemate that occurred many years ago. It all started with a vegetable garden. King Ahab looked out beside his palace and he saw a beautiful plot of ground that had a vineyard on it. And he decided that would be the perfect place that spring to plant his vegetable garden. So he went to the owner of that piece of property, a gentleman by the name of Naboth, and he asked the gentleman, 
if he would be willing to sell him this piece of property. Or perhaps, if he would prefer, exchange it for a better location where he could have an even better vineyard. Naboth's response was, This is my father's inheritance given to me. How could I sell my father's inheritance? This is my family's land. It's been passed down through the years. How could I give up my family's land? Obviously, they now have a stalemate. It's not a wise thing to have a stalemate with a monarch. But this monarch was unwilling to use his power. And so he went home and he was so upset about this stalemate, he just laid down on the bed and turned his face toward the wall and refused to eat. Now always there are people who come into our lives who are eager to help us break the stalemate and get us what we want. Jezebel was such a person. She said, Ahab, don't worry. It's a, it's a simple thing to get Naboth's vineyard. So she wrote letters to the elders of Naboth's town, and she directed them to hold a feast and to set two scoundrels beside Naboth and to rise up in the feast and say, we heard him curse God and the king. And so the two scoundrels were paid off. They rose up and said, Naboth, we heard curse God and the king. There was a brief trial. He was declared guilty. He was taken out and was stoned to death. Gross injustice. Enough to set a man's blood on fire. Then Jezebel got word that her executive order had been carried out. She went to Ahab and said, Ahab, the vineyard's yours. Naboth's dead. Go collect it. And joyfully he got up from his bed and his pouting, and off he went to decide where he was going to plant his carrots and cabbage. He had a visitor that day in the new patch for his garden. The Lord God of heaven in First Kings, the 21st chapter, sent a man by the name of Elijah. You remember the last time Elijah had gone to confront Ahab? Ahab had said, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah had responded by saying, I'm not the troubler of Israel, you are. Now it's real important tonight that we understand who the troubler is. There's a stalemate going on. Who is the troubler in the stalemate? Are they both equally troublesome? Or am I the troublemaker in the stalemate? As he goes down to meet Ahab, the Lord said in verse 19, Say to him, this is what the Lord says, Have you murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says, In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. 
Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. So the first time, Ahab calls him a troublemaker. This time he calls him his enemy. When there is a stalemate, very quickly that stalemate can degenerate down into, you're my enemy. You disagree with me, you're my enemy. And we begin to set up these parameters that says, if you agree with me, you're my friend. If you disagree with me, you're my enemy. And the war then begins. And Ahab now is hearing this stark word of judgment. I'm going to bring disaster on you. Verse 21, I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. I mean, these are harsh, harsh words. Verse 23, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the country. This stalemate is going to be settled by the Almighty God of heaven. And the stalemate will conclude with judgment on Ahab's house. I've been thinking about this. We have a stalemate with God when there is any area of our life that we utterly refuse to give into his power. Tonight, mark the place you are in your spiritual life. No progress can be made in your spiritual life until the next stalemate is resolved with God. You'll simply be stalemated. Stalemate means you don't move, God doesn't move. Now, God can resolve the stalemate in a very simple and easy way. He can pronounce judgment on your life. Your life is in God's hands. By his mercy, he is not going to speak judgment over your life. But the stalemate must be broken. As I was praying about this, the passage in the book of James came to my mind. James is the pastor of the New Testament church. And we like to think of the New Testament church as that wonderful place where the Holy Spirit fell in power, where they're sharing everything in common. I mean, the New Testament church obviously has to be the model church. There was trouble in the New Testament church. Pastor James begins to address that trouble. He begins in the third chapter, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. You notice, again, 
He's saying that that wisdom that does not come down from heaven is bitter envy and selfish ambition in the hidden places of your heart. This is the source of every stalemate with God. Every stalemate with God flows out of not getting what I want. I want my way. I'm determined to have my way. And when I can't have my way, I go into a stalemated situation with God where I say, if I wait long enough, he'll change his mind. Or something will happen, and I'll be able to have what I want. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. If you will identify in your life where you find disorder, you will find hidden under that disorder envy, selfish ambition, bitterness. So look around you and see where the disorder is. Is it in your house? Is it in your car? Where is the disorder? It's simply a reflection of the disorder that's going on in your heart as you are stalemated with God, determined that you will have your way. And of course, the Lord God of heaven is saying, I'm sorry, my way will carry. That brings us into the fourth chapter. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. This is stalemate time. I want to be respected. I want to be successful. I want to have this person relate in this way to me. I know what I want and how I want my world to be shaped. And because I want my world to be shaped the way I want it to be shaped, I'll bend my energies to make certain it works. And in the meantime, I'm stalemated with God. I'm not getting from God what I want. And so bitterness and anger rise up in my heart. Now, we don't like to appear bitter or angry, so we go into depression. And then we need to go to the doctor and get some medication for our depression. Because we're not getting what we want. So if we're not getting what we want, let's numb out a little bit. And there are many drugs of choice that we can go to to numb out. The television is a drug that we can go to. The alcohol is a drug we can go to. The video games are a drug we can go to. Professional sports are a drug we can go to. Work is a drug we can go to. The world is wide open. It's saying, look, I can give you whatever you need in order to numb out your mind so that you can maintain your stalemate with God so that you don't have to give in to his will in your life. 
And many are the men and women that I speak with on a regular basis who tell me their woes. I know where woes come from. Woes come out of stalemates. We're not getting what we want, and so we feel bad in our heart. We're not allowed to be angry about it, so let's be depressed about it. Or let's withdraw. Let's turn our face to the wall. Let's pout a little bit. Let's go on a shopping spree. You know, let's do something to cheer ourselves up. Let's do something temporary just to feel better. Let's go hit the refrigerator. Let's have a bowl of ice cream. Whatever it takes to help me withstand surrendering to the Lord so that I can have my way. I've seen some of you in this house walk around for weeks at a time with no shout of praise on your lips, no testimony of victory from your mouth. I know what's happening. You've got your face to the wall and you're pouting because you're not getting from God and you're not getting from your wife or your husband. You're not getting from your boss. You're not getting from your kids. You're not getting what you want. And so you're in a stalemate. Stalemates are so miserable. And you can find so many people who will join together with you and feel bad with you. The vast majority of all conversations are gossip. Why do we gossip? Because it makes us feel better. It lets us talk about how bad somebody else is. It lets us be the one who has the inside information. We're the ones who are recognized as the good guys. Because we've got the scoop, we've got the dirt. All of this comes out of this stalemate condition where we don't want to surrender to the Almighty God. When you get in a stalemate with God, you can make no more progress toward heaven until that particular stalemate is broken. The Holy Spirit usually begins to zero in on our life on some specific area. And once he's identified it for us, the battle royale is on. Now how quickly we're able to move through that battle and submit to the Lord Jesus and choose what he's asking us to choose, the more quickly we make progress toward the heavenly home. We limit the Holy Spirit's ability in our life by entering into these long, stretched out, angry, depressed stalemates. And you know, those kinds of stalemates, after a period of time, turn into indifference. Where we begin to say, you know, I just don't care. I don't care. I've messed up. I'm going to do my best. Forget it. And we turn our attention somewhere else. But the Lord God of heaven does not turn his attention somewhere else. He's right on focus. 
And he's saying, will you come and will you deal with this issue? And so if I could, please be very bold with you tonight. Are you aware of any stalemates in your life with the Lord God of heaven? Are you aware of one stalemate with Jesus? Where he's been trying to speak with you about a specific issue. It can be as simple as getting to bed at the right time. And getting up at the right time. Because when you don't get up on time, you cheat the Lord God of heaven of that precious time in his presence. And it sets the tone for the rest of the day. But of course, if you're in a stalemate with God and you want to turn your face to the wall, you want to go to bed late so you're too tired, and you can say, I was too tired to get up and spend that time with the Lord, and it's your fault, God, that I'm so tired. Almost all stalemates, we defend by saying, it's your fault. The very nature of a stalemate is that the problem is with the side that will not give in. Obviously, everyone should agree with me and should go my way. God doesn't have a rubber nose. You can't twist God's nose. He's calling for specific submission and surrender at that area that he's trying to deal with in your heart. Now, I could understand if there were a hundred different things that God was trying to deal with in your life, and you and you would say, Lord, I'm just overwhelmed. I, I can't deal with all of these things at one time. The Lord doesn't ask you to. Like an arrow, it's one thing. Now, what are you going to do with that one thing? Will you hear his call to your heart? Will you submit that thing to him? Will you cause your spirit to rise up in anger and rebellion and create a stalemate with the Lord God of heaven? Now, some of us in this house have experienced consciously the judgments of God that come to punish us, to reprimand us. As we don't submit in that specific area, the Lord will come with all manner of judgments into our lives. He'll, he'll touch our finances. He'll cause there to be holes in our pockets so that the money drains away. And we come to the end of the month, and we were at the end of the check a long time ago. <laughs> or he'll touch us with the car breaking down. He'll touch us with any number of things to begin to say, are you sure you want to push this stalemate with me? He's trying to get our attention. And as we rebel further, the level of pain goes up. And if we'll submit, the level of pain will begin to drop. You come to a place where if you insist on remaining alive and a stalemate with God, things will get very, very difficult. Because you see, God's agenda is to save us. That's his only agenda. To save us. He wants to save our lives. 
After we've given into his hand, that stalemate, and the stalemate has ended, joy rises up in our hearts. Peace rises up in our hearts. A sense of belonging rises up in our hearts. We're no longer cut off. We're no longer strangers. We now have sweet fellowship with the Lord God of heaven. We've been brought into his presence. Enjoy that time. Because very quickly, he's going to bring the next issue into your focus, where you have to make another decision about whether you will stalemate again. But now, after all the stalemates are finished, and after you are totally given into the hand of God, and you have surrendered everything into his hand, now comes the most difficult of all the stalemates. Are you willing for God to just set you on a shelf and not use you? Are you willing just to let God do with you what he wants to do with you? Are you willing to let God have the control over your life? Now, the most painful part of this walk for me is being barren like Hannah. The Lord God of heaven wants to bring us to a place in our walk with him where we simply look to him and we worship him and we wait upon him and all the agendas are finished. We're to cry out to the Lord God Almighty and wait upon him and trust what he's doing in our hearts. It was Paul who had the thorn in his flesh. He cried out three times for the Lord to remove this thorn. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, the Lord wanted to know, Paul, are you willing to not stalemate with me, even though you might be suffering as you wait upon me? Are you willing to trust me, Saul? And I know that's the question tonight to our hearts. Are we willing to walk this road of holiness with the Almighty God of heaven? Are we willing to give up our stalemates with him? And then are we willing to simply lay our lives down for him with no agenda and say, Lord God, use me or don't use me. I don't have to be productive to be happy in Jesus. Do you know how that cuts across every part of my flesh? I was told when I was a child, look at the young people in the church. They're the hope of the church tomorrow. Look at the children in the church. And the pastors used to say to us, little kids, you're going to be great leaders for God. You're going to accomplish wonderful things for the kingdom of God. Things that we never could accomplish, you're going to accomplish. Oh, and I rose up in that and I said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to do great things for you. So, Raymond, you've got to go to college. You've got to go to seminary. You've got to become God's man. 
Well, I did all of that. And then discovered that God wanted me to lay down doing great things for him. He wanted me to lay down all of my tools that I had so carefully selected and chosen for my bag. He wanted me to come and say, Lord, I'm here to minister to you. And I don't need anything else. I just need you. And you see, at the very heart of the stalemate is this question, is Jesus enough for you? Or do you have to have something more than Jesus? Do you have to have a ministry? Do you have to have an outreach? Do you have to have people who think you're important? Do you have to have a place that makes you somebody? Do you have to have something, or is it enough to simply minister to Jesus? Is it enough to love Jesus, to serve him, to adore him? Is that enough? Or do you have to have everything else too? He says to his precious congregation, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? He's saying you've committed adultery with the world because you're in friendship with the world. You like the world's sound. You like the world's moves. You like the world's clothing. You like the world's smell. You like the world's style. You're friends with the world. He's saying that's a stalemate with God. If you're friends with the world, you cannot be friends with God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Then he says, submit yourselves then to God. End the stalemate. End the stalemate. We can't end the stalemate until we're really willing to be honest about what the stalemate is and why we're in the stalemate and even how we got to that stalemate. And recognize that in this stalemate with God, he's simply holding out his hands, saying, would you give it to me? Would you give the stalemate to me? Now tonight, you've identified in your mind a specific stalemate you have with God. Are you willing to give it to him? Are you willing to simply give it to him? Or do you need more time laying on your bed with your face turned toward the wall? Feeling bad about the stalemate, but not feeling bad enough about the stalemate to give it into his hand. So many of us have spent so much of our life energy in this stalemated position with God. Thinking, if I have just a little bit more time, I can turn this thing around. 
Maybe I can still work this thing out. And then I'll give it to God. There are no more hurrahs. It's time to give that stalemate into the hand of God. Now, there are many lies we tell ourselves in the stalemate. We tell ourselves, look, I know I'm right in my position. I know that I have a right to this position. I know that I shouldn't be treated this way. I know I have not been loved and respected the way I am due. I know that I am not being treated in the way that I have treated others. After all, pastor, all I want here is a little respect, a little self-dignity. That's all. Is Am I asking for too much? Just a little respect. And then the other side of the stalemate is, you know, I am just too bad to give in to God now. I'll improve my situation a little bit, and then I'll give myself into his hand. You know, I've dug this hole for myself. Maybe I could dig myself out just a little bit, and then I'll give myself into God's hand. You know, it's an easier thing to go to God when I have my act together. (laughs) Pride. Stalemate with God. Bitterness of heart. See, we serve a Lord who died on Calvary for us. And his blood has all the power to break every stalemate, to repair all the damage done in our hearts, to restore us into his presence, to cause joy to well up in our spirits, to cause our feet to dance before him. He has all the power in the blood. There's none of the power in my flesh. There's none of the power in my mind or my spirit. The power is in the blood of Jesus Christ. The question is, am I willing to let the blood have access to my little point of resistance against the Almighty? Am I determined that at all costs, my dignity shall be preserved? Submit yourselves then to God. Interesting, that word submit means come and reason. Come and reason. In other words, bring yourself into the presence of God and allow him to speak with you about the situation you're in. Allow him to unfold it for you. Now, I don't know how it is with you, but I really enjoy unfolding everything for myself. (laughs) No, I have a brain. Why'd God give me a brain if I'm not supposed to do it? But God enjoys having us come to him and allowing him to unfold 
what the stalemate is and the fullness of that stalemate so that it doesn't happen again. You see, the Christian is called to walk from victory to victory to victory. We weren't called to walk from victory to defeat and defeat and defeat and then a little victory and then another big defeat. That's not how God calls us to walk. He calls us to walk from victory to victory to victory until we cross through those pearly gates. It's the stalemates that cause the defeats. And the Lord is saying, come and, and talk with me about it. Now, I challenge any of you to go into the presence of God and just reason with God about your stalemate and then hang on to it. What enables us to hang on to our stalemate is staying out of the presence of God and not talking with him about it. Because as soon as we begin to talk with him about it, it's absolutely apparent how foolish our stalemate is. And as we begin to talk about our stalemate, and it's unfolded by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he uncovers the depths of the heart, we see the uncleanness of our spirit, and all we can do is cry, Abba, Father, come and accomplish your purpose in my heart. Come and change my spirit. Wash me in the blood. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In the modern church, we have given the devil way too much due. The devil has absolutely no power against the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood rules supreme. All the devil can do after the cross is lie to us. And if he can get us to believe the lies, the lies set us in bondage. The reason I ask you, please, read the scriptures through from Genesis to Revelation many times every year is because by reading the word, your mind is enlivened so that the lies are apparent and you can quickly turn away from those lies. All the bondage of the devil is, is an intricate set of interlocking lies. Every stalemate is made up of an interlocking body of lies that we have believed from the devil. And as we reason with the Lord about these lies, the Holy Spirit uncovers them, and as he uncovers them, we can then begin to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over these lies so that they're broken and their power is destroyed and we're set free. What my heart's desire is, is that when people would come into this house, they would find a people who are victorious in Jesus, who are filled with joy, who are bubbling over, who have no stalemates in their life, so that when a new person walks in, immediately they see there's the presence of the Holy Spirit in the house. And that Holy Spirit is evident by the joy in the face, by the victory in the life, 
Now, if a new person walks in the house and all they see is an image of themselves with everybody's head turned toward the wall in rebellion, they're going to say, yeah, I can feel comfortable here for a while. <laughs> well, I don't want people to come in the church and say, hey, I can be comfortable here for a while. I want people to come into the body of Christ and say, I can get free in this house. I can find Jesus in this house. What a sad thing when the body of Christ is primarily about encouraging one another with bad news. Why? The bad news was put on the cross with Jesus Christ. The good news arose from the grave. It's resurrection we're interested in. So tonight, what's your stalemate with God? And are you willing to talk with the Lord about this stalemate? And are you willing to ask that the power of the blood come in and just wash this stalemate out of your life? Are you willing to give it into his hand and say, Lord, it's not useful to me any longer to be in a stalemate with you. I want to be free, Jesus. Come near to God, verse 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. We need to talk about that just a minute. See, in my marriage, if there's a difference between Jan and myself, I always want Jan to come to me first. <laughs> now, Jan comes to me and says, oh, Honey, I'm really sorry I made you upset. And it's easy for me to put my arm around her and say, Yeah, I'm sorry too. <laughs> even if it was my fault especially if it's my fault Jesus always comes to us first that's what the cross was about but now it's up to us to go to him he showed his love on Calvary's tree. He poured out his Holy Spirit for us. And now he says, will you come to me? And if you'll come to me, I'll come close to you. It's amazing to me the number of people who say to me, Pastor, I feel so far away from God. My answer is probably that's because you're a long ways away from him. And if you just go ahead and get close to him, he'll be close to you. Stalemates. Separate our hearts from God. What's this stalemate tonight that God is calling you to deal with? Are you willing to deal with it by presenting it to him and, and asking him to talk with you about it? Are you willing to lay it down at his feet and say, Jesus, I want to come near you? Are you willing to pray this prayer and say, Lord, I'll come near to you. Now would you come near to me? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'll wash my hands. I'll purify my heart. I'll stop being double-minded. 
Lord, I'll grieve and I'll mourn and and I will wail until you come to me and assure me that the stillmate is broken. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Well, where is he going to lift you up? He's going to lift you up close to his throne. He's going to lift you up close to his heart. That's why we give up the stalemates. Something rises up in our hearts that says, but I want my way. And I'm going to battle for what I want. Nobody knows what I want. I'm just going to go after what I want. I can't help it anyway. This is how I'm made. This is who I am. I'm just being who I am. God made me this way. Cross my arms. Set my jaw. Tonight I'm asking you to be conscious of those stalemates with God. And I'm asking you tonight, will you give that stalemate into his hand? Will you give up that position of rebellion against the throne of God? Will you submit to him and let him reason with you about this issue? Or will you continue running on automatic Just doing what you're doing without stopping and talking with him about it and hearing what he wants to say to you about it. Will you hide in your indifference or will you come to him and say, Jesus, I want to be close to you. I am pursuing intimacy with you. I come into your presence with a humble heart. I can't break this stalemate, but you can, Jesus. I give it into your hand tonight. God of light, take away the dark of night. Fill me with your pure Touch me with your hand, God of grace, flow into this lonely place, listen as your children pray, take me as I
live inside of me, keeper of eternity, oh Lord, revive me with your touch, healer of my heart, lover of my soul, maker of the stars. Pray that you've made a decision in your heart to break all stalemates with God and let Jesus rule in your heart and your life. Thank you for joining us. Please come visit us at nationalprayerchapel.com. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to the only God, our Savior, 
Presence of His glory. We 